As computing becomes more pervasive, more of the everyday objects we take for granted are becoming internet connected. But what is being done to safeguard these devices, be they refrigerators, home alarm systems, or Google Glass? And what risks do consumers and businesses face as this so-called Internet of Things evolves? Joining me today to discuss the Internet of Things is London-based security and risk analyst Andrew Rose, who's with Forrester Research. Thanks for joining me, Andrew. Thanks for inviting me. Good to speak to you, Matthew. Well, as more everyday devices are getting internet connected, what are some of the risks we're facing as consumers from a privacy and security standpoint? It's only limited by our imagination. The internet of things has an incredible capacity for innovation and growth. And we stand here at the very start of this journey, not really understanding where it will take us as we connect more and more of our lives together and hand over control to computing devices. One of the analogies I've been using is really to talk about, you've heard of black swan events, which are events which have a huge impact and actually in hindsight are quite predictable but before the event no one expected them to happen. And what are some examples of those previously? The prime example would be 9-11. In hindsight it was obvious that people could fly planes into tall buildings but actually before that date no one ever really thought about that concept. Yet the same is true of Internet of Things unfortunately that what we're doing here is we're creating a black swan factory. We've got so many different pieces of complex technology overlapping interlinking and then we're going to start to hand over eventually control to the machines to start making decisions. So that decision may be whether to switch the lights off in a building. It may be to reroute the sewage in a town. It may be to control the speed of your car. But as more and more of those decisions are made autonomously, then the potential for risk and the potential for layers upon layers of catastrophe to happen actually increase. So it's actually very difficult to point at a scenario and say, oh, there's the worst case scenario. There's the risk around the Internet of Things, because it's going to be so complex in the future. As your fridge is connected, as your car is connected, as your building is connected, as the subway system in your town is connected. All of a sudden, there's going to be lots and lots of potential for disaster. Is this a chicken and an egg problem? We can see in retrospect certain security events unfolding, but only in retrospect. Same again with the Internet of Things. Do we have to build a critical mass almost of internet connected devices that we've never seen before, before we can understand the best way to then secure those devices? There's lessons we can learn from history. Unfortunately, I think lots of those lessons take a good long while to sink in. So there's basic controls that we should put in place. You know, good Good authentication, good identification, encryption between all the devices, having choke points where we can control the data and have safety limits on them as well. There's lots of standardized controls that we could put in place to make sure that actually the future we're building has some resilience and some control. Unfortunately, what we do see is many of the innovators out there at the bleeding edge of the Internet of Things are developing mainly for, for market share. And you can understand this. They want to be there with their Google Glass, with their whatever it happens to be, with their great new tech technology and they want to get to market first and they don't really want to have to consider the security implications because that may slow them down that may mean they're second or third to market and their product is more expensive than everyone else's so you can see why people are rushing to to push forward right now but unfortunately that is at the expense of security when actually there's there's good practices that we could learn from the past and bring those in place to to give us some resilience and some control but in the past as we see people shaping markets bringing things to market that haven't been seen before and rushing to get there so that they aren't the VR-enabled eyewear. They are Google Glass, for example. Uh, and, and that sets the trend or the tone for everything that comes beyond that. Has security always been an afterthought 
in these situations where technology is concerned? I'm afraid that uh, history would probably say that the answer to that is yes. Security is rarely the first thing that anyone thinks about. Just look at mobile phones. Mobile phones have been around for many years, and it's, it's only very recently that a pivotal actions have happened that have created the market demand for something along the lines of the black phone, which actually has security as its main selling point. But actually still, if you look at the black phone's popularity, it may be popular, but it's still nowhere near as popular as those cheaper, more prevalent brands, you know, the Androids, the iPhones and the, and the like. So security does always tend to trail. It takes a while for us to learn the lessons from the technology to understand the implications and then layer security on. It's, it's disappointing from a security professional perspective, to be honest, but it's our job to try and make sure that as many of those good decisions are made as early as possible in any new technology's lifespan. Speaking of new technology, I know you recently attended a trade show that was devoted to physical security products, such as CCTV cameras designed to track faces. But I know you also saw a lot of home automation and monitoring products. How secure are these types of devices based on what you're seeing? And are these vendors even discussing security? Well, the systems are really effective and very interesting. They do monitor behavior of sort of the elderly relatives. So you can make sure that they went to bed perhaps at at a reasonable time, that their front door wasn't opened at 2 a.m. So that they're offering real value. But when I started to delve into the digital security questions, they didn't really have any answers for me that was that was a little concerning the staff the the people who are selling these products certainly aren't briefed on anything to do with digital security and i think that in its way is an answer in itself that perhaps security isn't top of mind for their organizations so i i couldn't say that they're insecure but i certainly couldn't vouch for the security given the evidence i've had one organization i spoke to actually acknowledged the questions i was asking and then said, well, you know, you're a, you're a big security professional and you know, you're three steps ahead of us here. And I found that quite concerning because they actually had a product that they were selling on the day to people, to vendors, to channel, to do things like this home monitoring, home automation. And yet they said that I was three steps ahead of them asking these basic questions. So it is a concern I have. I can't state for certain they're insecure, but the evidence I have to date suggests that yeah, security hasn't been baked in from day one. I know there are a number of consortiums that have launched or are in the process of launching that are trying to secure the Internet of Things. Companies like AT&T, Cisco, IBM, Intel, Microsoft are talking about this. If we have all these big vendors coming together to try to create these consortiums to secure the Internet of Things, what does that tell us about the state of where we are right now? That's a good move, potentially, but we already have quite a lot of products in the market. Absolutely, absolutely. And everyone's scrambling to get the uh, the definitive technology out there as soon as possible to, to build on that market and get their brand, to get their products out there and building already. So that's understandable. I guess this is very indicative of what we just talked about, how security comes along a little later. It's a bit like the law in all of our countries. The law is something we rely upon and depend upon to guide what we do and what we don't do. But actually, the law has got a significant latency, and that comes along quite a bit later after the events. So it's the same here. I think the regulation, the standards will trail the technology for a while. And then perhaps the version two of all this technology that we see may start to adhere to these standards a little more. But right now we're in we're in the Wild West. We are seeing people going hell for leather to get their product out there and make it the best product they can, the most functional product they can, because it's functionality that sells rather than security. And hopefully you know, these alliances will, will help with the next iteration. One thing that surprises me are things like routers, for example. You have an iPhone on the one hand, which will receive updates as soon as someone pushes a new app. And you have a router on the other hand, which will sit there for years 
until the wireless standard that's baked into it is so slow that you decide to replace it. In between purchase and getting rid of the router, you may never have updated that device. It seems like there's a stark contrast here between what's possible and what's being practiced. It's an interesting analogy, that one, because it is true for the Internet of Things that actually with routers, you've sort of lost that physical security battle. You don't really know where it is. You don't know who's looking after it. And in case of these routers, they've just sort of left them to their own devices and ignored them and let them be unpatched. And that's not a great idea if you're relying on the security of your home or you know your car to be patched with a, a new patch for the brakes or for, the, uh, for fuel efficiency. So patching will become essential. But actually, it becomes very difficult because the device you have is in the hands of somebody who is incentivized to tamper with it. So somebody may want to tamper with their car's performance to make it accelerate faster or have greater fuel efficiency. Somebody may want to tamper with the home electric smart meter to perhaps make it show that they're using less electricity than they really are. And once those people have tampered with that device, they probably won't want it to be patched again. So you're going to end up with lots of different variances of, of patching level. And even most, most organizations know that when they try to roll out just a standard Microsoft patch to their desktops, they never reach 100% penetration with that patch. It gets to sort of 98, 99%, and they can never quite clear at the last events. So it'll be similar for this too. But it's very difficult because they also need to make sure that they are preventing any unauthorized patches, people who are trying to maliciously patch those devices to, to make them act in an inopportune way. So it becomes a, a very difficult balance of trying to get the right identification and authentication in place uh, and make sure that the device can be managed remotely, but managed securely as well. It took Apple multiple generations of the iPhone to get it to a point where it was quite difficult to root. Are you previewing an era of jailbroken smart meters and refrigerators and cars? I'm afraid I am because Apple may have struggled to do that. But look at the, the constraints Apple have around their development infrastructure. It's very closely guarded, very well managed. And in the Internet of Things we're seeing right now, it's just too fragmented to be like that. The Internet of Things is much more like the Android model where everyone's developing in their own little channel. So we do have to expect that we will see people receiving Internet of Things devices and tampering with it to, to make them bend to their own wishes. And that could involve uh, jailbroken cars, jailbroken fridges and, and the like, and all the hacking and unfortunate events that come with that as well. Are there any particular EU nuances when it comes to the Internet of Things? Well, EU data privacy regulations are getting a lot stricter and every organization should be aware that probably sometime next year, the new EU data protection regulations will be released and they have some significant penalties for not following data protection rules. I think the maximum penalty will be somewhere between 2 and 5% of global turnover for an organization. So that could be a huge amount of money and that's far beyond the, the current penalties for EU data protection, which are probably something like half a million pounds in the UK currently. So small fines currently, but in the future, it's going to be much, much bigger. This means that any private data that organizations hold, they have to take seriously. They have to understand what controls they're putting around it and how they're managing that data. And to be frank, I'm not sure that a lot of organizations really do have a great hold on the databases that they're building up. A lot of this is all about data analytics. People will be collecting data from their Internet of Things devices and correlating that data together to try and squeeze value from it in the terms of customer insight 
site in the terms of databases that perhaps they can sell on for, for additional value. But you have to start understanding that actually from lots of small pieces of data, you can start to build up pretty sensitive data. So as an example, if I knew perhaps your movements over the weekend and I could get a look at your shopping bill, then I might actually be able to make a pretty good guess of what religion you are. So that becomes sensitive information. Two things that aren't particularly sensitive when added together can become very sensitive. And that's the problem of privacy and big data. And I actually see that as a pretty immature area for most security professionals right now. We don't see a great deal of movement or a great deal of insight there. So organizations have to be careful about the data they're keeping and what they're going to do with that. Another good example is a car hire company I was speaking to recently. And they want to start tracking their cars when they're out with the people who are hiring them so that when the cars come back, they can do analytics and understand how the cars are being used and and when the car may need a service. And one of the factors they wanted to keep a track of was the car's speed to understand you know the, the lifespan of the engine, how hard it's been pushed. And actually, we started discussing this, and I pointed out that if they kept a track of speeds that were over 70 miles an hour in the UK, then effectively what they had is evidence of a crime. And that really wasn't the sort of data they wanted to be keeping in their databases. So it's just small little points like that that perhaps you don't really think about, but actually could have big implications for the data you're keeping. So it really does need careful thinking through about what data you should keep, how you should manage that data, and how you can use it and dispose of it. That's a very interesting example of the car data collection, because I think with so many technology products, the engineers who build them get as much data as they can and then try to figure out what to do with it later. So I think there would be a natural impulse for that to be happening with people not thinking about the privacy repercussions of that. Absolutely. And you have to see that actually it's not the engineers particularly who are pushing for this data. Actually, a lot of the time it's marketing because marketing can squeeze a lot of customer insight out of all of this data about which people rent what type of cars and therefore they can start to structure pricing around that. And unfortunately, marketing's appetite for big data analytics is is pretty ravenous and, and that can push people to start to cut corners and make mistakes and perhaps not view the, the privacy issues terribly deeply. So you have to think about that and then think about the potential penalties with this new EU data protection regulation, because that is coming to balance out that equation and actually make people really have to think about privacy. Lots to think about, both as a consumer of Internet of Things equipment and potentially as a developer, vendor or seller as well. Andrew, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with me today. My pleasure.